I'm truly glad to be with you today. Now, I want to start by messing with you a little bit. So, okay, is that all right? Well, I'm going to do it anyway, but I'm just trying to get you ready. I'm going to mess with you. So, I want to ask you a question. Why are you here? I mean, why did you come to church? I mean, why did you get up and, you know, and eat and take a shower? I hope you took a shower. And, you know, get dressed. And then if you have kids, you know, get them ready, get them all together, and then get your car, get in your car, drive over here, find a parking space, then go drop your kids off if you have kids, and then come into this building. Why did you do that? Now, some of you might say, well, you know, we really love the music. It's very inspiring. And you know what? I like the music too. But you know that you can experience some of the greatest worship music in the world online with your iPad. <laughs> I mean, you could listen to Hillsong United and Bethel and their bands, and they're just awesome. You don't have to come to church for that. Well, some of you might say, well, no, you know, Pastor, it's the, the good teaching. We like the good teaching here. And, and I think we have some pretty good teachers here, but, you know, come on, let's be honest. We're not the best teachers in, in the world or the country, right? I mean, come on. We're not even the best teachers in the city. And, in fact, you can go online and watch some of the best Christian teachers in the country, I go online and watch some of the best Christian teachers in the country. All I'm trying to say is you don't have to come to church for that. Then why are you here? I got some of you thinking, don't I? <laughs> why come to church? What if you intuitively sense that what you crave is more than inspiring music and a good teaching? What if you know deep in your heart that what you crave more than music and a message is connection with real, live, breathing people, face to face, shoulder to shoulder? We believe that God has wired us for connection. And that he created us to instinctively pursue connection with each other. And it's even better face-to-face, -face, in person. That's why I was messing with you. Now, social, social scientist Susan Pinker wrote a book entitled The Village Effect. How face-to-face -face contact can make us healthier and happier. And her research surfaced that face-to-face -face connection is imperative for us to feel a true sense of belonging. And in her book, she notices that that has become an ever-increasing challenge in our society. She writes, <coughs> in a short evolutionary time, we have changed from group living beings skilled at reading each other's every gesture and intention to a solitary species, each preoccupied with our own screens. And her book surfaces the facade of settling for social media connection. It is not the same. 
Her research discovered that face-to-face -face interaction bolsters our immune system and sends positive hormones through our bloodstream and into our brain. She also found that making eye contact with other people, shaking other people's hands, and even giving each other a high five, it lowers cortisone levels in our bodies and it gives us a shot of dopamine, which means it reduces stress and it gives us energy. So I want everybody to get a shot of dopamine today. So I want you to turn to somebody beside. I told you I was going to mess with you. Give somebody a high five. Come on. Give somebody a high five. All right. All right. Now we're all doped up. We're all doped up on dopamine. We're ready. Okay. Here's what I'm saying. Okay. Your body, your body. God wired us to crave connection. And that shouldn't surprise us. Because think about it, our God is a communal being by nature. He exists as Father, Son, and Spirit. And then he created beings in his own image just so he could connect with us. And he wired us to want to connect with him and to want to connect with each other. So in this series, I am asking you to do something courageous. I am asking you to courageously connect, probably with strangers, and it's going to be okay, because we believe, as a faith community, that God has wired us for connection, and so our goal as a church organization is to see that everyone gets connected to someone, all right? Now... <laughs> The very first believers courageously connected with each other. And they, they had a certain metaphor that helped them envision what they were after together. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. It says, <clears throat> the apostle Paul writes, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, <coughs> whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink, even so the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Isn't that cool? You are the body of Christ. And if you remember what we said last month, it's not you individually, it's you plural. So it's y'all. Y'all are the body of Christ, and yet each one of you is a part of the body. And so here Paul is casting vision for us to see ourselves, not just as individuals, but as interdependent beings. You see, we are the body of Christ together, not apart together. And when Jesus left this earth, he sent his spirit to indwell us. And from that point forward, think about the implications of this. We became the body of Christ on the earth. And everybody connected to somebody is the body. Do you know what I'm saying? You got to be connected to be a body. Parts don't work apart from each other. 
Now, this profound truth has huge implications, especially for us as American Christians, right? Because it, it, it forces us to wrestle with a certain part of our psyche that is well known in the American uh, culture. And it's the, 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 the idea of rugged individualism. Rugged individualism says, I can do it, and it's more significant if I can do it alone. Rugged individualism uh, favors independence, not interdependence. Rugged individualism focuses on individual might, not community or collective achievement. And if we allow rugged individualism to influence us in our relationships, we will go down the road of relational dysfunction, of isolated spirituality, and of self-absorbed religion. And here's the deal. We were not created for rugged individualism. We were created to courageously connect. Now, last week, I mentioned the research of a neuroscientist from the University of Chicago named Dr. John Cacioppo, and he asserts that as members of, so, of a social species, we do not derive our greatest strength from rugged individualism, but instead from interdependence, from our ability to plan, to communicate, and then to accomplish something together. He says that our neural, hormonal, and genetic makeup support interdependence, not independence. And, and he said, and I quote, <clears throat> to grow into adulthood as a social species is not to become autonomous and solitary, but to become the one on whom others can depend. Whether we know it or not, our brains and biology have been shaped to favor this outcome. In other words, we are better together. We are the body of Christ. We are filled with his spirit. And whatever Jesus is going to do on the earth, he is going to do through us as the body of Christ. But we must, we must pursue interdependence. Because the parts cannot function apart from each other. So... We must courageously connect, and a, a critical part of courageous connection, I know this may sound counterintuitive, but a critical part of courageous connection is for you, each part of each one of the parts, right, to recognize your significance in the body. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse uh, 15. Paul continues. Now, okay, we're, he's talking about the parts now. Now, if the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? It would be hideous, right? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? It would be terrible. But, in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And did you catch Paul's point? Every part of the body is significant. And every part of the body is different. 
God has given each one of us different gifts, different abilities, different life experiences, and he's given us this desire to connect with other people who have different gifts, different abilities, and different life experiences. And to courageously connect, we must recognize, we have to first recognize our own significance in the body of Christ. If we don't see ourselves as significant, I want us to get this. If we don't see our, if I don't see myself as significant, I won't take the risk to courageously connect with other parts of the body who are also significant. So I'm going to ask you a question. Do you believe you are significant? Do you believe you matter? Do you believe you are important to this body of Christ? Now, I think some of us, I think for some of us to really get this body of Christ stuff we're going to have to like shake off what I call appendix thinking. Appendix thinking. Let me tell you what I'm, what I'm talking about. Okay? So when my wife Barbara was a, a, a young child, she got pain, a pain in her belly and she went in for surgery. And back in those days, they didn't have CT scans and MRI scans. So they just cut her open, you know. And they just go digging around in there. And, and whenever doctors go digging around in there, if your appendix is still there, what do they do? Yeah, they just take it on out. Why? Because the appendix serves no purpose. In fact, the only purpose that the, the, the appendix is, ends up being a bad one, right? And so whenever they go in, they just take it out. And, and here, here's where I'm going with this. Some of you feel like the appendix of the body. You feel insignificant. You feel unimportant. You feel unnecessary. Some of you feel that way because of words spoken to you by your parents or by other authority figures in your life. Some of you feel that way because you have struggled. You've struggled in school, or you've struggled in your vocation, or you've just struggled in life in general. And when we feel that way, we can't be the body of Christ functioning in the right way. Well, today I want you to know, no one is an appendix in the body of of Christ. You got that? No one is an appendix in the body of Christ. Every part is significant. Look, you're significant. You're significant. You're significant. You're all significant. Every one of us is significant in the body of Christ. So I want us to speak this as an affirmation. Can you say, I'm significant with me? Are you ready? I'm significant. I want you to believe that. That you are significant. And y'all are more significant together. And if you weren't here, it would matter. Because you make a difference. You're here because God placed you here. That's what Paul just said, right? He places every one of us exactly where he wants us to be. And he puts us here for a purpose. And that is to serve each other. And this truth means that the people around you are also significant, right? Because if you're significant and you're significant and you're significant, that means y'all are all significant. And so I want you to turn to somebody and say you're significant. I told you I was going to mess with you. All right. So y'all are the body of Christ. Y'all are significant. But there's one more characteristic that's critical for this whole body of Christ thing to work right. Okay, you ready? This is 1 Corinthians 12 verse 21. Now, he's talking about parts again. 
Now, the eye cannot say to the hand, well, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. But God has put the body together so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So Paul is saying, for this body of Christ thing to work, we also have to recognize that we need each other. Get it? The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. No. Yeah, you do. You need each other. We need each other. <coughs> you need others, okay? And get this, others need you. And so I do need you to understand, even though, yeah, you are significant, great, but it's not just about you. It's also about the other parts. It's about all of the parts serving each other because we are better together. We need each other. And when the body of Christ works right, go back to what Paul said. He said, when we work right, we, sh we express concern for one another. And so you're here and hopefully we can express concern for you when you have needs, but hopefully you're also here to express concern for others when they have needs. That's the body of Christ functioning together better. The body of Christ suffers together. The body celebrates together. <coughs> we do life together. We are better together. Do you believe that? I want to make sure we get this. So I have these truths that we've gleaned from 1 Corinthians 12. I want us to express them as positive affirmations. Okay, are you ready? Let's say these together. We are the body of Christ we are significant. We need each other. Well, so then let's live like that. It means we have to courageously connect. So how are we going to get there? So to help us understand courageously <laughs> connecting with each other, I want to return to some of the research that was surfaced uh, by a social scientist named Dr. Brene Brown, whom Sherry talked about a couple of weeks ago. Now, Dr. Brown is the research professor at the University of Houston. She is a New York Times best-selling author, and her talk on vulnerability is the fifth most watched TED Talk ever in the world with over 30 million views. And Dr. Brown asserts that we have been wired to crave connection. And her re research on how humans connect found that a key is to show up, these are her words, to show up for what she called collective moments of joy and pain. She found that men and women with the strongest sense of belonging regularly engaged in collective moments of joy and pain. And this next part's important, with strangers. You see any strangers around you? There's a reason for it, okay? And so she has a mantra as she challenges people to courageously connect. She says, hold hands with strangers. That's how you begin to connect. Dr. Brown then points to research of religious collective assemblies. Okay, so we're more like a religious collective assembly 
where people experience connection, communal emotion, and a sense of sacredness that happens when we are a part of something bigger than ourselves. Apart, right? You're apart, you're apart, I'm apart, but when we come together, we're part of something bigger than ourselves, and that's her point. She says, and I quote, these experiences contribute to a life filled with a sense of meaning, increased positive effect, an increased sense of social connection, and a decreased sense of loneliness. (coughs) All essential components of a healthy, happy life. And then get this, in in interviews with her research participants, she found that music was a compelling, powerful expression of collective joy and pain. So what does all this mean for us? Well, from the earliest days of the church movement, believers gathered together as the body of Christ for collective moments of joy and pain. We gather together and we sing with strangers. We gather together and we pray with strangers. We gather together and we study the scriptures with strangers. We gather together to celebrate in times of joy. We gather together to weep in times of pain. When we gather together as the body of Christ, we create these moments of joy and pain that allow us to feel that sense of connectiveness that we all desire. And it's good for us. It's good for us, right? That's why we do this every week. But let's be honest. Let's be practical, right? But it's hard to show concern for people in a large setting like this, right? I mean, when we get together, there's thousands of people, literally, I don't know if you know that, there are thousands of people in this local body of Christ scattered over five services over two days. So how do you get to the point where you can actually show equal concern for each other? How do we get there? I think you have to break it down into smaller circles. For the body of Christ to function in the right way, you have to break it down into smaller circles. That's why I'm asking you to find your flock. Now, last week, uh, we looked at the amazing flight patterns of starlings. (coughs) And when attacked by an enemy like a falcon, millions of starlings will fly together for protection. But if you remember what I said last week, scientists discovered that the millions of, of starlings are actually not flying in tandem with each other. They are only flying in tandem with the seven starlings immediately around them. And here was my point. They don't fly in flocks of a million. Nobody does. They fly in a flock of seven. And in a flock of seven, they find protection. They are better together. And I'm asking you to find your flock. I'm asking you to find your three to seven people who will fly with you, who will be in tandem with you, who will have your back in times of need. We all need the connection and protection of the flock. That's how the body of Christ functions best when we get together in flocks because then we can express equal concern for each other. We are better together. And so to help you find your flock, we're starting numerous city groups this year. We have over 30 groups meeting at different places and different locations. I just want you to find one that seems right for you, right? 
And remember what I said last week. You keep looking, and you keep looking, and you keep looking. Even if you meet some strange birds along the way, you keep looking until you find your flock. Because we all need it. We all need the flock. And so uh, if you want to find out more information, you can go to our website or you can stop by the center pavilion at the end of the service. But whatever you do, find your flock. (coughs) Because everybody connected to somebody, that's the body, right? That's the body of Christ. Now, I've been challenging everyone to get connected to somebody for a year now and wasn't even sure if anybody was listening to me, to be honest. And though it took a while, a young woman... Uh, attending our services, risk connect, uh, courageously connecting with a stranger. And she shared her story with me, and I asked her if I could share her story with you, and she said I could. So the, these are her words, not mine. She wrote, uh, as an introvert, I tend to be most comfortable with having deep relationships with only a few people. Friendships in the past have tended to be hurtful, so my deepest relationships have been with my immediate family. <coughs> So when Pastor Brent challenged everyone to get connected with someone, I thought, nah, I'm good. I've got my family. And honestly, I didn't think about it for the next few months. However, God had other plans. The previous year, I had taken on a new role professionally that drove me towards burnout. And it stirred old wounds and connected. a connection turned out to be what I needed most. I realized... <clears throat> I did have a real longing to reach out and connect to somebody outside my family. However, I was deeply afraid of being rejected. But I met a woman at church that I felt like I couldn't connect with, and I took a deep breath and introduced myself. Over the months, we met for lunch, and I found myself sharing more and more of my story. I would feel nervous each time that she might judge me or reject me, but each time we met, we would pray and get really honest with each other. Eventually, I shared my worst ways and my hurts and my hang-ups with her. And after each meeting, I would feel so relieved and connected. My fears started going away. And over the months, I allowed this friendship to impact my story in a way I never thought I would or even needed. Everyone really does need to be connected to someone. Someone listen to me. (laughs) All right. I'm just happy about that, right? Okay. Everybody connected to somebody is the body of Christ. So find your flock. Courageously connect. And my prayer is that you would fill us with your spirit that you would empower us with spiritual gifts and that you would use us, Lord, that you would use us on the earth to fulfill your purposes, your plans, your will on the earth as it happens in heaven. And now, Lord God, we do submit ourselves to you and uh, we lift before you our tithes and our offerings and I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would use them to further your kingdom on the earth. And I pray that you would bless those who give. Surprise us with your blessing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.